anybody's here, if you've been at this church and come at least within the year, you've probably been disappointed too. So I need to take a little quick announcement. So if you were here at the beginning of the year, you know that we collected a special offering. And at the beginning of every year, we always do the special offering, unashamed, unabashed to do so. Because what we do in that special one is usually something related to the community, something external. And so this time, we, you guys know, if you've been here in January, we collected a special offering for one purpose. And that was to have a more kind of a formal, uh, a nicer sign up front. Because we kept on hearing people that we invited to come sit with us at church. They would always say, where is it? We would tell them where it was, and then we're like, oh, I pass by that place all the time. I didn't know it was a church because we don't look like a church building from the outside. So we decided to, you know, by the way, we raised all the funds. We were super excited about that, and that's all due to God's faithfulness, your faithfulness, and generosity. But obviously there is no sign still, and so we've all been disappointed with the process. But I wanted to just give you some updates because it's due, and we believe that we wanted to let you guys know. So the, the company has taken a little bit of time to design the right one. It's, apparently, it's way more complicated than we thought. But they finally did that. And then now the city, there's a complication with the city. you got to ask permission to do everything. And so we're asking now. Uh, paperwork has been submitted. We're waiting now for updates on the city to let us know that, uh, hey, it's on the way. But the good news is... It's on the way, all right? So it's on the way. We're super excited about that. And I thought it was interesting to start today because when we talk about dealing with disappointment, there is an element of that that I feel like we could bring up, and it's waiting. I mean, look, who hates to wait? Anybody with me? Who hates to wait? The number one place you hate to wait? Uh, yo, drive through Restaurants? What? The DMV, right? This is it. Right? This is every, every, I mean, there's, no one really enjoys waiting, right? I mean, me, I hate it when you get the call from the, the internet company or the cable company, right? I'm like, oh, we will be there sometime between 8 in the morning and 8 o'clock p.m. in the next two weeks. I'm like, what? I was like, I hate that, right? It's so frustrating to know. I just, I don't want to wait. Just hurry up. Just tell me when you're going to show up. And so we don't like to wait, but you know what? There is a way that we can wait that does make a difference. There is a way that we can wait that does impact how we deal with disappointment. And so we've been looking at this idea. And when we talk about the word crushed, when we talk about the word crushed, another way we can describe this is drowning. Okay? So really, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us have been in a place where you've been drowning in doubt, drowning in fear. Drowning in worry. A lot of these people who shared their testimonies today while they were getting baptized, they shared elements of they felt like they were drowning and they needed God for help. Right? And so I, I want to be sensitive about what I'm going to say next because I don't know if anyone here has experienced that or had someone actually drown. And, so, and I don't know if anyone here has had an almost drowning moment, but I wanted to quickly share the one time I did something stupid at my bachelor party weekend. Okay? Now. I behaved, okay? This was, look, I behaved. Right before I was, we were going to get married, and I was the oldest one in my crew and my relative, my group that was getting married. And I'm like, you know what, guys? We've never done a guy's trip. I mean, we were 24, 20-something, right? I was like, yo, we've never gone on a guy's trip. Let's go. Where are we going to go? Daytona. That's where we're going to go. And so it was a Daytona weekend for the fellas. So we took off, right, hung out. That was a, that was a couple of weeks, right, babe? I think it was a couple of weeks before we were going to get married, and uh, that's what we did. And so... The thing was, is I, everybody was telling me not to go, all right? And remember, I did something stupid on my bachelor weekend, but I behaved, though. Okay, look, I wasn't a pastor then, but I was a Christian, so it was okay. And so I behaved. Now, here's what happened. The week before in the news, they were saying that in Daytona, the lifeguards were rescuing people at record numbers. 
okay, because there was such a strong rip current, such a strong current undertow that literally it was record numbers that they were rescuing people over in Daytona Beach. And so me, my friends, a bunch of guys, 20-somethings, what do you think we should do? Oh, let's go. Right, okay. So we took off anyways, and we went. And guess what we did? We got in the ocean. Man, look, look, if you live in Florida, I'm pretty sure you've been, you've, most of us have been to the beach. Do you guys know that feeling when the wave is about to come, and it's, you feel the pull right from the water, and then it kind of like goes the other way? You know that feeling? Listen, no joke. I can see why. The pull. And I was in barely shin water underneath my knees. I could not stand still. It was, the stro- it was pulling so hard. It was a workout to try to stand still. It was more like kind of one of these. I mean, it was crazy strong. And so we're out there. I mean, we were gassed, exhausted because of just the water, just trying not to, you know, stand up and to boogie board and do all this other stuff. So we're doing that. And I did not see the wave coming behind me. And it was a big one. And so I felt it. I'm like, uh-oh, what's going on? And then it's too late to react. And it just, boom, just got me. And I have been, I was knocked over. Now, I've been knocked over before. And I'm pretty sure that's happened to some of us who've been to the beach in a big wave. I got knocked over and, you know, usually it's give me like three seconds, right? Give me three seconds and I can find myself and stand up. But I remember hitting the ground. I mean, I hit the bottom of the thing and I hit it and then the wave kept on going. It was like a long one. It hit me, picked me back up, hit me again. So the first three, the first two rolls were like, okay, Okay. By the second one, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, I could not stop. I could not stop myself. And I was trying. And I was now, I'm running out of air. I literally was, I was like, I'm going to drown in three feet of water. This is ridiculous. I'm like, yo, I ain't dying a virgin. I'm trying to get out of this. <laughs> I ain't dying today. No, sir. I ain't dying today. And so, I, I mean, it was wild. So I got up and I was able to I mean, I literally looked at everybody. We all looked at you and said, yo, let's go to the pool. I'm done. <laughs> okay? I'm done. I'm done. And so, like, that, that feeling, that feeling, I guarantee you we've all been there. We all know what it's like to, like, okay, we're in a situation. We're in a situation. It's kind of difficult. Okay? Okay. And then after a while, you're like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? And that's when a lot of us, we find ourselves either drowning in doubt, drowning in that gap. In fact, this is what we've been looking at. This is what we have been visualizing what disappointment looks like. A lot of times we are crushed by our disappointments in the gap. Because disappointment, being disappointed is nothing but your level of expectations not meeting reality, right? When your level of expectation does not meet reality, that's called disappointment. We've all been there. But when it exceeds, when reality exceeds your expectations, right, that's a different case. That's a different case altogether. And so that was awesome. And so, but we've all been on the receiving end of the other side where maybe we had expectations about what life was going to look like. Yo, this stage in my life, oh, wait, wait till I'm 18, wait till I'm 20, wait till I'm grown. Yo, life is going to be whatever, right? Oh, when I get my first job, when I start making money, oh, when I get married, when I get into that relationship, when I get out of this relationship, I don't know, whatever else, whatever it is, right? When I go to school, yo, school's going to be like, yo, high school's going to be, college is going to be. And then the ex- your reality doesn't meet expectations, and you fall into this gap. And a lot of times, there's a lot of people who drown in that gap of their disappointments, crushed under the weight. Either of the fact that somebody else disappointed them, other, uh, they're crushed by the weight of, I can't control my life. I can't fix this. Or like we've been talking about, sometimes you are the one who disappoints yourself. 
you let other people down so much that the weight, the weight, their expectations for you does not equal the reality. And you disappointed somebody and you were buried under the weight of that shame and disappointment. And so we've been looking at different verses about how God, with God, we can deal with that disappointment when we find ourselves like that. And we're going to look at a psalm today, which actually belongs into a category. So the book of Psalms is like the nation of Israel's like song book. It was like their top you know, 150 charts, and this is what it was. And, and we're going to look at a song or a psalm that goes into a collection called Ascent. Can you say Ascent with me? You guys know what ascent is, right? Not like smelly scents, but like ascending, right? Means to go up. To ascend means to go up. So if you ever read in the Bible a song of ascent, it is a song of going up. It is a song of movement, going from the bottom to the top, right? Going from that. Now, Jews would sing these songs when they were going from their foreign countries, when they wanted to go to Jerusalem, and they wanted to go worship at the temple. So uh, this song of ascent, Psalms 130, was playing in the playlist in the car, all right, on their way over. Not, ain't, not literally ancient times, I'm being exaggerated, but whatever. And so it's on the playlist as they're heading to Israel. And also, this would be a song that as they're, that they would sing in the t- going to the temple, because the temple was on top of a mountain. And so you would have to ascend the mountain. You would have to go from a lower part to the upper. You would have to go up to worship God. And so that's what this song of ascent is. It's talking about movement. And what I love about it is that it's talking about movement from a lower place to a higher place. And in here, we're going to learn how we can, when we get stuck in that gap, how we can ascend out of that gap. And the author of Psalms 130, he ascended out of his gap. And we're going to learn how to do the same thing too. So let's look at verse 1 and 2. Here the psalmist begins by saying, okay, this is a song of ascent. That's the title. And it goes, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice and let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now, as the Hebrew is translated into the Greek, do you guys see every sentence has an exclamation point, right? Do you see that? Every sentence has an exclamation point. I can translate this verse even easier. Ready? These two verses can be translated into two words. Okay? God, help. Okay? That's, that's, that's it. All right? All those exclamation points is he is begging. He is drowning. He is, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, he can't break free. And he is calling God to help him. Help me. Give me, you know, your eyes. Listen. Pay attention. I mean, he is screaming from the bottom. From the depth of wherever he is. And now that depth that he's talking about can also mean deep waters. It can be translated as deep waters. So he is either in a deep pit. He's trying to scream out. He is drowning in the deep, in the deep end of whatever life or whatever circumstance he's in. Now the thing is we don't know. We don't know what he's dealing with. We don't know how he got there. If it's his fault or not, we don't know. All we know is that he's desperate and this is a cry of survival. Anybody ever been there before? Pretty sure we all had, right? You've been there just desperately, yo, crying out. Now, what's amazing about this is it, I look at that statement because this is how it starts off. And it makes me wonder who can cry out to God and how. Look, I've been, uh, I've been, I grew up in church and I've been around this long enough. And one of the things that always, it's, it's, it's funny but not funny, okay? It's funny but not funny. It's when you get in a little prayer circle. Anybody been in a little prayer circle before? Just You get together. Hold hands, somebody's about to pray. And then I love just kind of lobbing that bomb out there. I'm like, um, praying today. And then seeing the deer in the headlights, like, uh, it's like people forget to stop. Like me, I, um, 
I, uh, <laughs> like, and they kind of get all like, sh- you know, have you ever been there? Like, it's, it's embarrassing sometimes. People think, yo, I don't, I don't know how to pray out loud. I don't know how to pray out loud. Like, is there a hallowed be the name? Wait, how did it go again? I was like, or just, oh, I'm done. Like, God hates me, right? And so, and it's like, if, so there's a lot of times, you ever felt like that? Anybody here tried to pray and you just didn't know where to start, where to begin? Like, do I, do I have to be at a 90 degree angle? Or like, well, what's the deal here, right? How do I do this so I can talk to God? Or, you know, what, what phrase do I need to start off with? You know, like, uh, sir, father, you, I don't know. Like, what do I do? Like, there's a lot of times people are confused. But I love this poem. I love this song because we see how does he call out to God? How does he call out to God? He just does. He just does. You know, like, oh, Lord. No, you don't even have to say that. Okay, whatever it is, like, you just call him. Like, that's what matters. You call him. Yes, he's the king. Yes, he's God. But what God cares more about is the sincerity of your heart. Are you honest with him? He's being honest with God and says, God, I need you. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you remember the Lord's prayer or not or if you got to throw in a couple, I don't know, this and that. You want to throw a Hail Mary maybe? I don't know. Look, no. Just be honest. Be honest with him when you call out. That's what he's doing. Just be honest with God. I love that. And you know what that means? And that, that also tells me something. It tells me something about you. Like, listen, when you want to call out to God, when you want to call out to God at any point in life, you don't have to doubt it one bit because of this verse right here. You want to know why? Because this song, by the way, most of the Psalms, we know the authors. This is an anonymous one. We don't know his name or her name. We don't know who wrote this one. We don't know if it was a collection of people or what. This song is anonymous. And we don't know how he got here. So if God can hear this prayer from nobody, from nowhere, he can hear your prayers. No matter what. At any moment. If he can hear his prayer, he's a nobody from nowhere. We don't know where he's at. But you know what? God heard him. How did I know God heard him? Because he preserved that prayer in his word. And if God can hear him out of that depth, he can hear you no matter where you are and no matter who you are. You just got to be honest with God and you got to be honest with yourself. Look at the next verse in verse 3 and uh, three and 4. He follows that cry and says this, oh, Lord. Again, there's that oh, Lord now. He's just begging. Oh, Lord, should, um, if you, oh, Lord, should mark iniquities, oh, Lord, who could stand? Who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Here, this is where I said he's honest with God, but he's also honest with himself. He's saying, Lord, forgive me, help me. But then he says with this whole, should you mark iniquities, who could stand? He's being honest with himself and says, Lord, I know I'm not perfect. And if there was anybody that you didn't respond to in their prayers, it would be me. And it's okay. I don't deserve you to hear my prayer. I don't deserve you to hear my prayer. He's like, Lord, if you would literally show up and say, all right, uh, let's see who's perfect. Oh, you think you are? Hold on. Let me, let me expose you real quick, right? And so he says if God would count iniquities, no one would stand, yet he's still standing. He's still standing. He's still calling out to God. Why? Because he's saying, Lord, I know who you are. I know who you are. You are perfect. I am not. And if, Lord, I don't deserve you, I don't deserve for you to answer my prayers. But I know, what's this big, I love that but. But with you, there is forgiveness. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Not like Halloween scared, Freddy Krueger scared, you know, like it scared. Not like that scared. But like in awe of, in awe of, this just amazement of. And like saying, Lord, you don't deserve I don't deserve for you to hear my prayer, but I know you hear my prayers because you're good, and that makes you amazing. That's, so he is being honest with himself. He knows, I need God, 
and he recognizes his side. And by the way, that word iniquity too, it's, it's kind of something, you know, might sound like a fancy word. It's another word for sin. But iniquity is that desire in you that is bent towards wanting everything that is not God. By the way, you and I, were all born this way. In fact, that's our default setting. Our default setting is, if you can imagine, our default setting, if you got a lever here, okay, a switch. Our default setting is set to iniquities. Where you and I are born wanting to do the wrong things, wanting to do the things that are not of God. And then when we try and do better, we try in our own efforts to flip the switch. It's like, all right, I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to try and be better. Nah, I want to do it. Okay? I'm like, all right, I'll get better. I'll do better. I I got this. I got this. I got Nah, nah. Okay, I hate you. Right? Or whatever else it is. Right? Like we try and try our best, but we always end up in that default setting. That's iniquities. But when you call out to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can flip the switch. And now you begin to have new desires. And now before, now this is what a Christian looks like. For everybody who got baptized, you know this is true now. Now this is different. Now you're like, oh, I, wanna, I don't want to forgive him. I don't want to forgive him. I don't want to forgive him. All right, fine, I'll forgive him. <laughs> okay? I was like, oh, I want to do bad. I want to do bad. I'm, gonna do, I'm doing bad. I'm like, all right, my bad, God. I'm sorry. Okay? All right? And you come back that way. That's now a new setting. You have a new default. But here he is saying, Lord, I got this bend. I'm desiring things. We are born this way, all wanting something corrupt, something outside of God. This is why we need to be born again. We're born again is the flip. The switch is flipped. And so he's being honest with God. He's being honest with himself, crying out. But here, here he sees, but I know who you are. I know who you are, and that's why I'm calling out to you. So I want you to watch this now. He goes from I cry in these four verses to now I hope. Check this out. Let's look at verse, uh, the next one, verse 5. 5 and 6, he goes, from, he goes from repentance expressed to redemption expected. And he says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. See, Jews, when they do poems and when they would write their poetry and their songs, they wouldn't rhyme things a lot of times. Their, their, their you know, sentences wouldn't rhyme, right? Like, roses are red, violets are blue, right? Whatever scenario like that. Um, I know somebody here finished that in, in your head. And so, <laughs> I know somebody finished it yet. So, and, and, you know, we, our poetry tends to be rhyming in sounds, but Jewish poetry rhymes with thoughts. It rhymes with ideas. And so they have these repeated ideas. So here he repeats this phrase we're going to get to in a minute. But you see now his attitude seems to be changing. He's going from help me to now I cry to I hope. Something has happened. And what is he doing? Well, how is he hoping? There's three words that stand out. There's wait, hope, and watch. By the way, those words wait, uh, wait and hope in the Hebrew are synonyms. They mean the same thing. So when he says to wait, it means to hope. And to hope means to wait. It's the same thing. So there's that, in, that is involvement of waiting there. But I love this. When I looked at this word, this Hebrew word for wait, it was crazy. I don't know how to pronounce this. So I'm not even going to bother. But check us out. This is what it is. The word to wait is a weird word. It actually describes something that is twisting and binding around itself. Think of rope. You guys ever had rope before? You ever seen rope? What is rope? You got a bunch of fibers twisted around each other, tied. And the more fibers you have twisting around, what kind of rope you got? A stronger rope, right? The more fibers, the stronger the rope. The more fibers, the stronger the rope. So here he's saying when he's waiting, this is not what he's looking like. Okay? That's not how he's waiting on God. Like, oh, God, help. 
He's not waiting like that. He's waiting like this. He's twisting and binding and wrapping himself around what? He says, Lord, in your word, I hope. He is twisting and binding himself around the words of God, the, the promises of God. He's like saying, I'm holding on to the promises of God, but I'm not just not holding out. I'm becoming one with, I'm just twisting and wrapping and tangling myself with God's promises. That's what he's doing. That's how he waits. And that's how if you ever catch yourself in a waiting moment, you just can't sit around waiting like, no, it's this kind of waiting, reminding yourself, twisting, binding his word in your heart, his promises, what he says. Now what you think, binding that, twisting it all in your heart. That's how you wait. That's how you wait because the more, again, the more fibers you twist, the stronger the rope, right? So the more you twist and bind yourself around the word of God, the stronger your hope, the stronger your hope. The more you do that, the stronger your hope. If that's the same way, the stronger the rope, the stronger your hope. That's what you do. Binding and twisting. That's how he's waiting. That's how he's doing. Too many of us, I've been there. I've been there where I wanted and I was waiting for God, but I wasn't really waiting. I was kind of still, all right. It was more like, just tell me when you're coming, right? Just, just shoot me a text when you're almost here, right? Let me just do my thing. Or let me just do something else. That is not how we wait. That's not how he waited. And that's not how we were called to wait. Wrapping yourself, twisting around God's word, his promises. And then he says here, and more than watchmen for the morning. And now this one is an easy one to think about. That word watchman is back in the day it had significance. But you know what? Can I give you the modern day version? I guarantee you some of y'all, if not most of y'all, at some point you've been a watchman. Ready? Who's ever been the lookout? Who's ever been, <laughs> who's ever been the lookout? Right? You know what the lookout is. I'm like, hey, pst. Look out, look out and make sure that no one, tell us when no, someone's coming, right? Yo, tell us when mom's coming. Yo, tell them when the te if the teacher's coming. Yo, see if somebody, you got to let us know, right? You the lookout. Anybody here been the lookout before at one point? Right? Yo, lookout. Exactly, right? I used to, I was the older of my, me and my brother, it was just the two of us. I would always come up with a scheme. And then I would always come up with a scheme and let him be the guinea pig and just go run. He'd be always getting in trouble. And every, every time, like, he'd be, he'd get busted. I'm in my bed, like. And I was like, yo, you're supposed to look out. And I'm like, man, y'all, that's, that's on you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> so, right? So you know what the lookout is, right? The lookout's job is to make sure two things. Either, hey, let me know when someone's coming that you're expecting. Or when danger, right? Danger, danger. Yo, wrap it up. Wrap it up. You know, hide the evidence. Do what you need to get, get ready. All right? Do what you need to do. That's what lookout. And so back in ancient times, you had a lookout, the same thing. These guys were called watchmen. They would stand on the walls. They would stand on castles and cities or wherever else. And they would have to look out into the distance. And they would have to look for friends or, you know, a welcome. Hey, yo, so, someone's coming. Hey, you got to open the gate. Open the gate. Someone's coming. They didn't got the ring, you know, on the you know, GPS or any of the cameras like that. You had real people having to do that stuff, okay? And so that's what they would do. But also watchmen had to warn People of dangers. I'm like, hey, either open the gate, a friend is coming, or get the arrows, get the cannons ready. These guys are coming for real. And so you got to get ready. And the most important job was if you were a watchman at night. Because here the whole city is sleeping. And if you, if you're a watchman and you're, you fall asleep while everyone else is asleep, the whole city could be slaughtered. So you had a big, important job. So to, for, to a watchman that was waiting for the morning was not easy. You're, you're having to stay up when everybody else is asleep. It's dark, and you have to try to focus even more because it's dark. There's not that much light compared to the day. 
And not only that, but you looking out for the morning because you're excited. Because if you're a watchman at night and you have the night, you're on the night crew, guess what happens when you see the light? It's exciting because the second you see the morning, you're like, oh, I'm off duty, right? Because that you were supposed to stay until the sun rose. And if you, the second you saw the sun, I'm like, oh, whoo, I can relax. I'm off duty. All right, yo, it's clock in. I got to take a nap. I've been up all day. He, that's how this man is waiting. That's how this individual, the psalmist, is waiting. He is called out to God in faith, in confidence, knowing that, Lord, I know you're good and my situation's bad, but I know who you are. I trust in you, so I'm binding and twisting and holding on to the truth. He is being a watchman over the promises of God. As he's wrapping himself around the truth, he is making sure that the enemy is not bringing any lie that's going to come and mess with what he knows. So he is being watchful over the lies. And by the way, listen, you're not, you are never going to know. You can't tell the difference between a lie and a truth if you don't know the truth. So you need to know the truth. When you know, when you know what God has said, it's so easy to be able to recognize, oh, wait, that doesn't sound like Jesus. That doesn't sound like God. But you got to know the truth. And that's why he's just twisting, binding. He ain't letting it. He got a death grip on that word. He got a death grip on the word of God. And he's holding on to that tight. So he's being watchful, guarding his heart, guarding his mind. But he's also watching for something else. What's he waiting for? The morning. He's waiting for the light. He's just out there looking. I was like, you know what? Wait till I see. Because the second I see God show up, whoo, I can relax because there he is. I got it. I, my duties are, I just hold, my job is to hold on, hold on, hold on until I see God. And when I see God there, I was like, ah, oh, there we go. You know what? I'm going to make an exaggerated statement. I'm pretty sure in the history of watchmen, I don't think one watchman ever was at night with the other watchmen wondering, yo, do you think the sun's going to show up today? Do you think? I know I showed up like forever, always, but what happens if it doesn't show up today? What happens if the sun doesn't come up today? Like, I don't think watchmen ever wondered. It was not, they were watching for the morning, not if the morning light would come. It was always when. It was always when the morning light comes. And listen, there's a lot of people, I've been there too, there's a lot of people who got if faith. They got if faith. And they're like, look, I'll believe in God, but if he don't. I believe in God, but if, but if, like an out. But if, no, it's not if faith. You need to have when faith. Like, you trusting in God. It's like, no, when God shows up, when God shows up, because I know who he is, because I know he does, because he's never let me go. He's never failed me. So this ain't an, a matter of if, it's a when. But it's even bigger than that. That's for real. But it's even bigger than that. Because we are called to not just have when faith, but also even if faith. Like, look, I don't know when. This guy, he doesn't know when God's going to show up. He doesn't know how. He just knows he's going to. He just knows he's going to. So they're like, you know what, it's a, I, have with, I have win faith when I know God's going to show up. But I also got even if faith. Even if God doesn't show up when I think or when I want him to, I know he's going to. I know he's going to. It's real. I trust in him. Just binding, wrapping himself around that truth. That's why, listen, so many of us, you know why so many of us drown in our disappointments? It's because the enemy wants to twist and wrap us around lies. No, you can't get out of this. No, God don't love you anymore. And so many of us, we drown. You know what we do? We are literally, as we, when we hold on to the lies of the enemy like that and we tie ourselves to the lies of the enemy, it's like we're in the ocean in deep waters and we're willingly tying like cannonballs to our, to our feet. And the more lies that we believe in, the tighter, the heavier it gets, and the more we just, we're going to drown. But when you tie yourself around the truth of God, you don't go down, you go up. He pulls you up. That's what it is. It's tying around. That's what he's doing. That's how he is waiting. And then look how he ends. 
Look how he ends this statement. He has this whole psalm in verse now 7 and 8. This is the whole psalm. It's only eight verses long. Look at 7 and 8 now. He says, oh, Israel now. So now he's talking to Israel. He's talking to the nation. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. With, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. Look at all the, I mean, bold statements. It's, he will forgive them of all of their sins, redeem them from all their sins. And I love this statement because this is a hope that not only leads you to wait for you, but he's being a good watchman. Well, as a watchman, what were you supposed to do? Warn for help, call for help, right? And if, if this was at night and let's say danger was coming, you had to awaken, awaken the troops, awaken people to get ready to fight. That's what he's doing. That's what this guy's doing. He is not only seeing there is danger, not only for himself, but for the nation, for others, for his friends and family and everybody. So he is not only calling for God for help, but he's calling on the nation to wake up from their sleepiness, to wake up from their spiritual sleepiness, and to also put their faith in God. Now, to do that, to do that means that, hey, he's telling them, confess that your iniquities too. Be honest with God yourself. I love that. You know, I, I love that. He's, he ain't in it for himself. He's in it for others. And you know what? I was, we, me and Alicia were talking today about the people who are getting baptized. And you know what was interesting is I, I, I want to say all of them, if not, if not 90-something percent of them, someone else called on them to hope in God, and they did. Someone else did, whether if it was in the library, whether if it was a neighbor, all right, whether it was somebody else, childhood friend, and then they from inside the home. Literally, that's where that happens. That's where they like other. They were awakening each other to hope in God, and that's something that here he was doing. That's something that we are called to do as well. But he is telling them, listen, hey, there's an, there's trouble, there's issues, but don't be afraid to call out to God. Yes, there's sins. Yes, there's iniquities. But God is good in him. What did he say? There's plentiful what love and redemption. You know what redemption is. Because here, he remember, he repeats a thought. In the first verse, he says, there's forgiveness in you. There's iniquities, but there's forgiveness. He, notice he talks about iniquities again, but he doesn't bring up forgiveness. He uses a different word, a heavier word, redemption, to redeem. Do you know what to redeem means? To redeem means to pay the price for something so something is released. That's what that is. That's what that is. So in this case, if there were, you know, there would be people who would go to slave auctions. And here's somebody being sold into slavery. And, and there were people who would go and purchase them. They would redeem them, pay the price for them, and then release them. Saying, hey, I am paid the price for you. Now you are free. You are released. That's what happens. And here he's saying, listen, God is not just going to forgive us. He's going to set us free. Not just of some things, but what did he say? All there is not one thing that God cannot free you from. There is not one thing that God's like, oh, you know what? That's like the one thing that I don't do. And so I don't know what to say. This is awkward now. And I was like, no, God, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. So this is a prayer from no one, from a nobody from nowhere saying there's not one thing that God can't do. There's not one thing that God can't forgive. And that should inspire each and every one of us, to call out, to call out, to cry out to God. And in fact, there's this, if there was a bottom line in this whole, in this whole psalm, I, I, I feel like it was this. Because there's actually something that doesn't happen. There's something that doesn't happen here. You know what we don't find out? The psalm is over. It's done. We don't know how it ended. 
when did God show up? Did he? How? We don't know. There's, this song ends with a mystery. And in reality, if we can all ab absorb this, listen, you and I, there is, there is a mystery in life that we have to live in. You will never know everything, never understand all things. There is a tension in life that is a mystery that you don't know. But you know what I love about this? That he is confident saying, look, I don't know when God's going to show up. I don't know how. I just know he's going to. I don't understand it all, but I know he's going to do that. You know what that's called? That's called grace. The grace that God can move and do something in your life, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't get it, even if you don't understand the whole process, he will still do it even if you don't get it, as long as you believe and you trust in him. So there's this mystery that now settles and is a current reality for all of us. But let me tell you guys, a mystery is not a riddle. You know what a riddle is, right? A riddle is something that you got to try. It's like a, or a problem, like a math problem. I know I just kind of, you know, sent chills on somebody's spine real quick just when I just said math problems, okay? But a math problem is meant to be solved, right? Math problems are meant to be solved. Questions are meant to be answered. Riddles are meant to be figured out. But do you know what makes a mystery a mystery? You can't figure out a mystery. The mystery has to be revealed. The mystery is revealed to you. And so here he is saying, look, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God's going to reveal himself and it's going to happen. That's who he is. And that's who our God is. If you're able to wait long enough, wait in the mystery, God will reveal himself. He does it every single time. But here's, I think, the biggest takeaway for all of us. Ready? It's this right here. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. I think that's the biggest takeaway that we see out of the whole Psalms 130. It's okay not to be okay. Now, what I'm not saying is that, oh, you're not okay? Oh, it's okay. You're fine. No, look, I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not saying that, oh, it's okay if you're not okay. You don't have to do anything. You're fine. Jesus loves you just the way you are. He does, okay? He loves you, but he loves you too much to leave you in the condition that he finds you. Y'all hear me on that. Okay, God loves you and receives you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you in the way he found you because he wants what's best for you. So it's okay not if you are not okay meanings. Look, so many times people just want to hide behind him like, hey, how you doing? Good? And they drown in on the inside, right? They're just suffocating for help. And I'm like, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> that's in reality. That's, they're drowning in their tears. They're drowning in their fears. And you talk to them, yo, how's it going? Yo, I'm good with you put the mask on listen you try to live behind the mask you're gonna suffocate catch me on that if you live behind that mask you're gonna suffocate if you just know if you you know what you're doing you're deceiving yourself you're deceiving yourself if you say no I'm, I'm okay I, I can handle it no I'm okay I'm good I don't need to tell anybody no I'm a, if you do that long enough if you won't admit that you're okay you know what's gonna happen to you KO'd you're gonna get knocked out okay if you don't admit it if you can't admit that you are not okay, you're going to get KO'd. You're going to suffocate. You can't. You can't breathe like that. You can't breathe like that. But when you say, listen, God, and this is with God, it's okay if you're not okay. God still heard his prayers. And God did respond and does respond. But we have to be honest with him and honest with ourselves. When we can be able to cry out in honesty knowing it's okay Look, it's okay if you're not. There's so many people. I've, I don't know how many times, like, yo, why don't you come to church? Yo, why don't, you know, I can't be that Jesus thing. Yo, I don't know. I, 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 I got to get myself together first and then. Oh, you got it so backwards, bro. So backwards. You can't get yourself together until you go. You can't get yourself together. You can't. Let him do it. But it's okay. And this is a big one for all of you. 
Especially, I don't know, you know, depending on whether if it's the fellas, sometimes we like to try to put up a front, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe it's, I don't want, you know, like, I don't know, maybe how you grew up, like, yo, guys don't cry. That's just what it is. I don't know. Right? This is, you know, like, I don't know, maybe one time you did cry and your dad beat you for it or whatever. And like, never again. Like, every time you suck those back in, right? You haven't cried in, like, years. You haven't cried forever. Other times, like, yo, no, I, I, I can't let my wife know that I'm struggling with this because I can't let my husband know because what if, you know, it's like, what if? I'm a church. I, I go to church. I, people know I'm a Christian. I can't let people know I struggle because what are they going to, what are they going to think? What are they going to feel? And so you hide. You hide. You hide. Listen, it's okay. It's okay if you're not okay. Until, it won't be okay until you recognize it's okay. That you're not okay. And you're able to say, Jesus, God, I need help still. And look, it's a progress. We've been talking about for teenagers over this last week in youth group, right? It's about progress, not perfection. It's okay if you're not okay, but it doesn't mean you got to stay there. It doesn't mean you just settle. No, because God wants better for you. If the more you cry out to him, he will reveal himself to you. You reach out. He's already reaching out to you. You just got to reach back. You got to reach back. It's okay. It's okay if you're not. And, he, and this is what I love. I mean, we're not, we're not saying complain about it. I'm not saying be, definitely telling you not to be quiet about it. But look what this guy's doing. He's crying out to God. He knows it's okay to call out to God. When I'm not okay. And that's when God does make things okay. And that's where he goes from I cry to I hope because of God. And you know what's amazing about this? And y'all got to catch this. Please grab this. He has hope not because of the absence of the problem. The problem hasn't gone away. Whatever he's drowning in, whatever he's afraid of, kind of like me with the, you know, with the current, right? He doesn't know how he got there, maybe. How many of us have ever been there? Like, yo, you, you just kind of do something a little bit here and there, and you're like, oh, it's just this. And then before you realize it, you're like way over here. I'm like, yo, how did I get here? How did I get here? It's like you were sucked into the current of, the, of whatever it is, and now you're in deep water struggling. Oh, my gosh, how did this happen? Right? We don't know. He doesn't know how he got there. But he has hope. And you know what's amazing about this? That the problem hasn't gone away. The, the problem hasn't gone away, yet he still has hope. Why? Because he has hope, not in the absence of the problem. He has hope because of the presence of his Savior. That's what it is. The problem hasn't gone away. It's just that God showed up. God showed up. The problem's still there, but so is God. So is God. And now he sees that, oh, it's okay because my God is bigger than my problem. My God is bigger than my circumstance. My God is bigger than whatever this is. This is serious. I can't handle it. But my God showed up, so I can relax a little. I can breathe a little bit now. I can breathe a little bit now. That's what happens. And listen. This is a song of ascent we've been talking about, right? How to go from lower to upper. But here's the thing. You and I can't make that jump. We can't climb out that gap. He can't do it. That's why he's calling out to God. He's calling out to God who jumps into the gap with us. Guys, you know that's what Jesus did. We could not go to God. So what happened? God came to us. God came to us. Jesus jumped in and took our place in the pit. Jesus took our place in the pit. Yet Jesus, down here while we were struggling, we were buried, crushed under the weight of sin. Jesus went on the cross. He, was, he had to take on all of our sins. But you know what? Jesus wasn't crushed. He wasn't crushed because three days later when he got out of the grave, he instead crushed the head of the serpent with that bloody nail-scarred foot of his. That's what he did. What crushed us, he couldn't. What crushed, he crushed what crushed us. That's what he did. 
And Jesus jumps into the pit saying, oh, you can't come out. Let me go get you. I'm going to go into where you are, and I will lift you up if you call on me. I will pick you up for where you need to go. Listen, and I will tell you myself as well. I don't know how many times, then and now, yo, I find myself, and I don't even know how I got there. You know, maybe back in the day, like I said, it was, you know, hey, I, I can do this. You know, it's just a little. It's just a whatever. And then, boom, now I'm the current. Now it took me over here. Now I'm drowning, and I'm addicted, and I can't figure out how to stop. Right? How many? That happens all the time. Like, oh, it's just a little bit. Let me just get my foot in the water. Boom, here comes a wave, takes you out. Now you're rolling. Now you're out there now. That's what the current does. And you need a lifeguard. The only way, you know, if you're out there deep, you, it says you can't fight against it. If you ever heard that advice, I'm giving you all some real-life advice, okay? If you get caught in a rip current, what are the number one things they tell you to do? Don't swim against it. You just got to let it take you. You got to let it go. You got to maybe swim contrary too, right? But if you can't swim against it and be free, that's when the lifeguard, that's when Jesus comes and saves us. He comes, we call out to him. He comes wherever we are, no matter wherever we are. See, this guy feels far from God. That's why he's having to yell. He feels that God is far. He feels that God is far. And I've felt that way. I've caught, I don't know how many times, man, even just now recently, where I, there's a situation, I have a problem. I, I do not know how to solve this. There's a, a weight or a fear or a worry, and I'm feeling like I'm drowning, and I still got to keep reminding myself, and no, I got to trust in God, because you know what? Every time I've done that, God's always shown up. Every time I felt the farthest, like I've gone even farther from God, like, no, no way he can hear me now. There he is, and he hears again, and he shows up. You know, me and Alicia, we've, we've talked about this in their first couple of years of marriage. Like, our marriage was in a dark place, and we didn't know how we got there. We just found ourselves there. We found ourselves there, and we tried to do it ourselves and trying to get out, and we couldn't, not until we really called out to God that he showed up. And listen, I'm telling you, it's okay if you're not okay, because that's the only way that God can make things right, if you can be honest with him and honest with yourself. And it doesn't matter how far, please remember this, it doesn't matter how much you in and over your head you find yourself. It doesn't matter how in over your head you find yourself. It doesn't matter how deep the depression is. It doesn't matter how badly you've been crushed. It doesn't matter how far God might feel. You are never out of range of God's love. You are never out of range of God's love. Please listen. You are never out of range of God's love. No matter. You're never out of range. Okay, it's not like our cell phones, right? When you're like, oh, drop signal. There is never a drop signal when you call out to God. Because he's that good. And there is no gap that's too big for him to cross, for him to bridge, for him to dive deep and to come get you. In fact, I want to end with, let me see, I need a, where's my mic stand? I need to end with this. Because this is us right here. Because when you place your faith in Jesus, let me just show you what this looks like. When you recognize it's okay to not be okay. So I got two cans. All right. I got two cans here. All right, Coke Zero Cherry, we love it. All right, so got some two cans. I'm going to place equal pressure on both cans. Same can, came from the same company, same box. Okay, I'm going to apply pressure to them. Same pressure. Same amount of pressure, what happened? Why is there a different result? This one was empty. This one was empty. The pressure on the outside was greater than the emptiness that was on the inside. So when the pressure came, it was crushed. Every time I've experienced, every time I've been crushed is because I didn't invite God into the problem. I didn't invite God into the situation. Before my life, I was crushed under the weight of sin because I was empty. There was no God. 
I had no God in my life. I was empty. But now, when you fall, when you place your faith in Jesus and Jesus now gives you his spirit and you're not only filled with the spirit of God, you're sealed as well. And, and it's a different kind of can. It's a different kind of can. You filled and sealed. And, yeah, there might be one of y'all buff enough to pop this, but the, the, when, you got, when, you are, when you are in the situation, when you are in God's hands, when you're in God's hands, there ain't no amount of external pressure that's going to pop. In fact, when you place your faith in Jesus, Jesus in you, you in him, you sealed with the spirit, you can say the same thing that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and chapter 8 when he says, we are pressed but we're never crushed. We're perplexed but not driven to despair. We are, hum we are hunted down, never abandoned. We're knocked down but we're never knocked out or destroyed. That's what Paul says. That's what Paul says. He says, look, the problem is never going to go away, but when God shows up, it's different. And so from now on, every time you look at a can, from now on, here's what I want you to think of. Ready? In God, in Christ, and Christ in you, God can make a way. Okay? God can make a way always. He can make a way. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter how bad. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. God can make a way. All you have to do is call. All you have to do is call. All you have to do is call.